Welcome to Working From The Inside Out with Finesse Equestrian and your host, Ali O'Brien. Join us as we unpack the equestrian dream, talking to incredible riders, equine experts, and a few of our own tips too. Welcome to Working From The Inside Out. Eckhart Tolle said, Awareness is the greatest agent for change. And another one by an unknown author, Let us not look back in anger, nor forward in fear, but around in awareness. You are going to love today's podcast with Amber Liddick from Confidence and Connection Coaching. Now, this podcast was really cool for me to do because... It was all about bringing awareness, um, psychology of humans and how working with people and having a passion for working with people and healing ourselves really helps our relationships with horses. So tune in, let us know what you think and enjoy the rest of the podcast. And today I have with me Amber, who is all the way in America. I don't actually even know what part of America you are in. So maybe Amber, you can uh, jump on in here and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, <laughs> and um, and what you do. I am actually in California. So... Um, United States, obviously, right on the coast. So we're about 10 minutes away from the ocean. Um, and it's amazing. And I would live nowhere else. <laughs> um, I grew up down su- in Southern California. And I grew up with a single mom. I got my first horse when I was 11. And basically was just one of those little barn kids that ran pretty feral around the ranch, hanging from trees, riding bareback, you know, tormenting our horses all day long with no real adult supervision (laughs) for the most part. Um, Just spending the summers going to shows. And it was just a really amazing way to grow up with horses. Um, And I think I knew always that I wanted to be a trainer um, right from the beginning. And Mm -hmm. so against my parents' (laughs) dreams of me going to college and getting a degree in something amazing and then having courses as my hobby, (laughs) um, I continued to keep trying to go to school and couldn't really find the thing that made me happy. And um, I say, fortunately, I got into an accident and I had an insurance payout and that actually allowed me to have the money and finances to go to um, Colorado. And I spent um, about eight months there with John and Josh Lyons doing their certification program back Mm -hmm. in 2004. So I felt like that kind of gave me a foundation to start from. And then I kind of just rolled with it from there, mostly like starting horses and doing problem horses and stuff. So um, just use that like credibility. And then it was like, I was full right from the get go. <laughs> wow. Awesome. And so are you, you're still starting horses at the moment and working with problem horses? No. Right. Problem horses. Yes. Um, I just feel like I don't even know how to identify my career anymore. (laughs) Am I a horse trainer still? Um, Maybe. I did it for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so professionally and worked with a lot of trainers that had clients already showing and stuff that they would run into problems and they didn't really know what to do with them. And I think because I had a reputation where I could be really um, professional and humble and know how to deal with trainers and their clients, and I was never going to steal them, I, um, I think I was just not very threatening to them. And so I got a lot of my business from other trainers. Mm-hmm. And so I liked doing that because it was more of the performance stuff and the fine tuning and 
And we all know that that's just basically fine tuning the foundation that most trainers, once they get to a certain point, want to go past. Mm. And I think clients also think that, well, I'm ready at this level. I should be doing these things, not that stuff from the beginning. And sometimes they don't want to hear it from their actual trainer. It's, <laughs> it's like children not listening to their parents. <laughs> so exactly. I come in and, and kind of weave that stuff back in for them and clean it up. Um, and so in that aspect, that's kind of how my career evolved. And uh, eventually in the last three years or so, I had um, a lot of like life changes and I know as a trainer, my biggest thing that I always struggled with was getting the people to get the same results as I did. Um, mm. Like I could work courses and I could get them going really good. And then when I would introduce the person back in, it was always a little bit, there was, there was always a little bit of space where it just wasn't quite the same. And even though it felt like they were doing the same stuff that I was, I couldn't understand, um, why they weren't getting the same results. And mm. so that was always something that I got a little stuck on knowing that the horses were going to go back a little bit once I set them home. Um, and I wanted to dig deeper in that once it actually started happening to me and my own personal horses. Mm. Um, so when I went through a big shift, I ended up getting a divorce and it was a really rough divorce. We had a very large piece of property. We had to sell it. It kind of felt like everything was falling apart. And what I know that I ha <clears throat> always had was my horses hmm. that I could go ride. And I had two young horses that were really good and really amazing. And I started and I would go out and ride them and they were fighting me. They were uptight. This is stuff that I was, this is what I fix. So why, <laughs> why am, am I, I doing it? All this, what's, like, what's happening? Yeah. Um, and I, I know that like at a very surface level, people always say, well, your energy affects your horse. And, but how many people actually dive into that when they're learning horsemanship, when they first get into it, you know, yes. how many people really look at that stuff? Um, and I believe it's what I was meant to do. And that's why this situation was gifted to me um, mm -hmm. because it changed the whole trajectory of what I do. Mm. Um, and it shifted it into, I needed to figure out why I was then getting those um, results and those behaviors when for so long, this is what I do. This is what I fix. Like all of a sudden I, I'm dealing with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh no. And so I really just got, <laughs> Like, oh, my ego. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I really had to hit, I want to say like a rock bottom where I had tons of anxiety. I was super depressed and then my horses weren't doing good. So then I was even more upset. And, um, and so I had to really stop and dig deep and look at what was actually going on. And I, um, kind of just dove into a couple different seminars. I went to one with Tony Robbins and did the whole walk on fire thing. And I think from that moment on, things really shifted. Um, and I delved into a couple different healing modalities and I got my coaching certificate. And the shift for me was I'd always operated from a place of, I want to help the horses and the people just come with them. Yes. And it's kind of annoying because people are kind of irritating and I, <laughs> don't really like people that much, but you know, these poor horses, um, and that really shifted to actually learn how to connect at a really deep level with people. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that I liked people <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I really, really wanted this <laughs> to support people. Um, so then I had some tools on that side of it that I could bring in to the horse training side of it. And I think in 2010, I did an EGALA certification. So that's, um, you know, you can do equine-assisted learning, um, or I had paired with a, psychi a psychiatrist that I worked for for a couple of years, and we did private sessions with people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I learned a lot through that. So it was really just like this, I gathered all of these things in my basket, all of a sudden was like, I want to do this with people on their own horses, and I don't know how that looks. Um, yeah. 
And then all of a sudden this year, it was kind of just like, like look at last year, this is what it looks like. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's for me now. It's really coaching the people and having the horses there to support them. Mm. Um, and they really highlight the things I think people need to sort out. And if you are coming from a place where authentically you want to help the people, they hear you much different than if you're someone who I was before, where I was telling them because I was trying to help the horse. It was a different energy behind it and they would get okay. defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I can say it because I am coming from a place. If I really am here to serve you and help you heal and then your horse gets the benefit, your husbands and your wives and your children and your coworkers, everybody gets the benefit of you being in this space and sorting it out here. Yeah, that's really beautiful, isn't it? And I can totally relate. And uh, I know that for myself, like, uh, and so many of us who are trainers, we are there for the horse and you almost get frustrated because of the the human element sort of thing but that that's a it's a holistic um like that part of the package as well so when you make that shift to almost caring about the 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 human first and the horse second um Uh a much better outcome and I know that I've offended people in the past because I have been there for the horse and um and it probably, like you say, it probably just comes across in your energy or maybe the way that you structure your conversations around what is going on with that horse um, instead of having empathy for the person and, 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 like you say, helping them to heal themselves. Yeah, um, I, I didn't understand because I feel like, you know, there's all these like different theories and books. Well, horses are there to heal us. You know, they have their healing properties that they can regulate our nervous systems and our heart rate and they help us. And then I couldn't figure out the difference between, well, well I feel like we're affecting them. Mm. Am I wrong? And it was kind of this interesting, like, wait a minute, which way is it? <laughs> and I had this amazing conversation with um, Cindy Jacobs. Um, who's actually coming on my podcast tonight. Um, And she really was able to break it down for me and help me understand the work that I do now that is significantly shifted in two weeks and people are getting like crazy results. And I, when I was talking to her, she works with her herd of horses and, um, and brings non-horse people in kind of like what I was doing before. And, and, I thought, well, that's different, right? Because it's your regulated herd, like you know them, you know, and and she was like, no, um, they're going to mirror back whatever's right in front of them anyways. And I mm. said, okay, well, you know, how how does that translate to people on their own personal horses? Does it change it? You know what I mean? Because these horses are dealing with the same people every day. And it was interesting because she had talked about, well, you know, um, once the horse knows that you know what you're bringing affects them, once you're that conscious, they give you no slack. <laughs> she said, there's a lot of people that can ride and be very oblivious and the horses just deals with it however it has to. Yeah. But once you know that you are actually responsible for what is going on within that relationship, she says it shifts. Mm-hmm. And so once that shift is made, uh, the behavior actually starts to change. So for example, I had three clients out here that their horses started to get aggressive with them. And one is actually a horse I've owned for a really long time. I'm leasing him to her. And I just was like, that's such odd behavior um, because he's never been like that. I've owned him for 10 years and two more when they would be brushing them, they were pinning their ears. And then in the round pen, one woman, when she would put her horse on the line, he would, he started actually coming after her. And I was hmm. like, okay, like, am I a horse trainer right now? Or am I sticking with what I've been teaching? Mm-hmm. And so it got me in this weird place of if what I'm teaching is true, this is happening because they're mirroring back to us what we're experiencing. And, um, 
but at the same time, I was like, but I can't have horses have will be lunging at their owners <laughs> and me going, well, it's just stuff you've got to work out. Like it was this very strange, like, okay, yeah. what do I do about this? Like, this isn't working for me. And, um, and she said the most wonderful thing. And it was literally a huge aha moment for me in every aspect of my life is that once you name the emotion, um, or the, whatever you're experiencing, it encapsulates it. So you don't have to fix it. You just have to call it out and say, this is what I'm bringing to this. And then it's the horses stop immediately. Hmm. And I was like, how could that be that easy? You know? Um, and so what I started doing with my clients in my workshops, I last a couple weekends ago, it was raining. So we couldn't take the horses out. And I'm thinking, okay, I told them, bring your journals. And, um, they're like, okay, so we have everyone in the barn aisle and I operate under the assumption that everybody is born whole and as babies and infants, we know how to clear our own energy that's dense. If we're angry, if we're frustrated, if we're, you know, and it's and sound. So that's how you can release that. Uh, Once you hit like one and a half and you start getting into things, your parents start telling you or your caretakers, no, don't do that. That's not okay to scream like that. That in slowly but surely you're learning that there are emotions that you should feel or shouldn't feel or that are wrong. And you'll take on a sub-personality to protect you and to make sure that you can stay connected with the people that are there for survival purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the years, you put on all of these different beliefs that you have uh, for at a very subconscious level. And, um, and so when you get out near adulting and you mm-hmm. keep realizing the stuff keeps coming up, but I don't know why it's usually because it's buried back in that, in that place. And so we operate off of when the horse is doing a behavior and we say, what is that behavior? What is that horse reflecting back to you? You know, what does it look like that horse is? Is it angry? Is it frustrated? Is it, you know, does it have anxiety? Like, what is it? And, um, and once that emotion comes and, and they name that emotion, okay, when is the first time you felt like that? Like, when is the first time you can go back to your very beginning? The first time you felt like that angry or mm-hmm. that sad or whatever emotion they come up with. And the shifts that I saw in those horses um, one in particular, the one that was lunging after her, um, she would had him in the stall and she's in there and he would walk in and he'd pin his ears at us and walk out, pin his ears. And usually what happens when we are chatting, it's about grief. Um, mm. she lost a daughter, um, and it's been really hard for her. And we, we talk about that and, but I'm like, we need to go beyond that before that, you know, it's, if that feels really big and significant, but let's go back more, let's not stay there. Um, because he's still showing you and she was like, he's angry. He hates me, you know? And, um, and so I said, okay, that was brought up for her. So I said, okay, sit down mm-hmm. and I want you to journal without even don't just ignore him. He's just, he's just a gauge to see where you're at. And so she sits down and she's journaling and I, I said, find the story. The very first time that you felt that angry and that hurt, find that very first story. And I'm like, just write it all out. And um, and so she did that. And as she was writing, he had come in and stopped and put his head on her head mm-hmm. while she was writing. And she was like, I just kept writing and tried to ignore him. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that he's not trying to bite me. <laughs> but it was really that moment of I'm owning this. This is, this is mine. This is what I'm bringing. And I'm going to sort this out. Yeah. So she did that process. And I tried to explain to people. So the only reason we get this really dense emotional emotion stuck in our body is because we think they're wrong. So uh, mm-hmm. we've been made to feel like the way we felt was wrong. And I had this interesting thing happen where even when I talk to my kids or my friends and I go, Oh, what's wrong? Even in that question, if you think about it, you're already imposing judgment. Oh, yeah. You're saying something's wrong. Isn't that crazy to think about? That is so, so maybe like, do we re- rephrase that as how are you feeling yeah i i would say oh how do you how do you feel right now Mm. 
because it was like what I woke up and I went, oh my gosh, speaking to this and saying it is a, it is self-judgment. Yeah. Um, when you have, like if you're angry and you're not allowed to fully express it to completion, that's why it stays in. And that's why the universe will keep bringing you people, keep bringing you horses, keep bringing you <laughs> situations that will keep trudging up that emotion so that you can completely experience it and release it. Yeah. But what happens is because from when we're little, we're said, you can't feel that way. You can't act that way. That's not the right way to do it. You get that feeling come up and then we adapt these numbing things. We'll go on social media, you know, we drink, <laughs> we, whatever your choice of suffering is to ease that discomfort of this thing that you're not supposed to feel. And, um, and so the horses do that just the same. And so they trudge that stuff up in us because especially I think, cause we're so bonded to them and we really lean on them for, um, our happiness. Sometimes people too much, they put too much weight on their happiness in their horse and what happens at the barn. And when it doesn't go right, it's devastating for them. Mm. And, um, so I, I took her through that process and I said, okay, and, you know, she came out and she's like, I thought of just by intentionally sitting down and saying, what is this horse mirroring back to me right now? Anger and hurt. And she said, I, just from sitting in an intentional space and thinking about when was the first time I felt that way. And she's like, I just thought of stuff that I had never even, I haven't thought of it so long. Hmm. And I said, okay. And, and so what you do is, um, you take them back to that space and, and you look at the situation from a non-emotional place and go, what actually happened in that moment? What, what actually was happening was there was a father driving a daughter to a competition, no emotion involved, no story. That's what was happening in that moment. And she was like, right. And I said, and, and she, had, she had felt a certain way and he didn't know how to deal with it. So he was trying to, you know, oh, you're just being a girl. You're just a woman, you're emotional and kind of disregarding this stuff. And so from that moment, she realized that doesn't get me love and connection. Let me put on this thing and I, I'll make that wrong. I'm not supposed to feel that way. I'm not supposed to be upset. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what I do with people is instead of when you're triggered and you have certain situations come up where that emotion is brought up as a gift to you to highlight to here, we can sort this out instead of, you know, ripping stuff off the grocery aisles and screaming and going, I need to feel this emotion all the way through. You know, <laughs> we had to design just like a very simple process to let that experience happen so that you could completely release it. Yeah. And so what I had her do is like, okay, you've identified that emotion that, and you can see now from a logical place that it was made wrong to feel there's judgment around feeling that way. And she was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, now you now know, was it right? Or I said, the only way you can answer is yes or no. And I said, was it wrong that you felt that way? And she was like, no, absolutely mm-hmm. not. And just identify, no, it wasn't wrong that I felt that way. Okay. So you close your eyes and then you envision your, your yourself in front of you, the, the hurt self, the wounded self, the self that was judged to feel that way. And you let that self literally behave and get it out however you want. You can throw things, you can hit things, you can scream at the top of your lungs <laughs> and you just allow the space for that to happen. And you let it all out and you keep going, is that it? Is that it? Is that it? And within five minutes, it's there's just this peace that kind of comes over. Yeah. And it's like every client I've done it with just starts to laugh hmm. and it's like removing that, letting it be fully experienced in a non-judgmental space. It's almost like you're, you're holding space for yourself. Yeah. And I think a lot of the judgments people have is because they're judging themselves first around that stuff. And then, you know, and it, and then it pulls through. So it was just a very simple, mindful process. And mm. I had her horse actually is funny because Warwick had posted, um, I believe a video about a horse at one of his clinics that was um, hitting its ears. It didn't like men. It was pretty recent. Yes. And it was right after we had done that workshop and she tagged me in it and said, I'm going to try this. And um, I said, yeah, it's a good idea. But the next time she came out, he wasn't hitting his ears and hasn't been ever since. <laughs> and it she was, already done it. You know, yeah. And it was because she had finally like found the root of that anger. It wasn't anything else. You know, it was yeah. this, he was like, I know, you know, now 
I'm going to reflect this back to you in such a big way. You cannot ignore it. And once you own it, then I can become something that does help you heal. Yes. Now the horse then transitions into, now I can be with you. Now we can yeah. enjoy each other. Now we can connect. Hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas so I kind of feel like they start off like a mirror and like they highlight what we need to heal. And then the moment we kind of own it, whether or not we've actually processed it, we just own it. They can shift into just being near us and helping us co-regulate our own nervous systems and sort that stuff out. Yeah. So um, I don't even know how mm. we got there, but that's what I realized horses and their place in, you know, it, where was balance and are some healers are some, you know, cause some are pretty crazy and it was like, Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. That's beautiful. As you were talking about that, uh, it made me think about, recently um I wrote a blog and I haven't I haven't posted it yet I'm still you know sometimes when you write something or you create this content and maybe I don't maybe I'm not brave enough to to share it yet but the gist of it is around emotions and (laughs) (laughs) especially for women being allowed to feel anger because I think maybe it's a little bit like Mm -hmm. how men men aren't allowed or little boys aren't allowed to cry they're not allowed to feel sadness I think there's this thing about how little girls aren't allowed to be angry whereas perhaps little boys it's all right to go outside and run around and hit things and punch a punching bag and and that sort of stuff so we manifest it in in different ways and so as you're talking it brought up uh, this thought for me and how maybe have you seen those things manifest? Like you're talking about um, this lady and how she had suppressed all of this anger down because she wasn't allowed to feel a certain way. Um, and so that was manifesting and seeing her horse pin its ears. What about for men? Have you seen any, like, uh, what are the horses showing back to them Um maybe from that sadness or or um not allowed to cry I, that place yeah well since i've been doing this particular process with people i haven't done it with men yet mm-hmm. but in my master class the husbands have joined and they are not forced people but they are all very interested in coming out here now. Mm-hmm. Um, we really worked on relationship with self and then how your relationship with yourself really determines your relationship with your horse, your spouses, your family, whatever, friends, everything. And so there was no reason that they couldn't join because it wasn't necessarily a horse thing. But through speaking to some of this stuff in there, they're all very curious now and really want to come out and do some stuff um, in person. So I'm going to put together a workshop in the next couple of weeks for the men's side of it. So then I can really give you that. Um, But I do think that what will come up is being able to feel emotional in a non-judgmental space and have it just be safe to be like, you're a human being and everyone feels the same. Yeah. Um, And that it's not something to judge, um, you know, even through all of this going online and shifting the stuff for schools online and stuff, you know, I listen to the way people talk now and I hear every word they say and they're, and when you really get conscious about listening to people at that level, you hear the judgment and things that people say every day mm. and it is your subconscious running you 95% of the time. So if that's how you're making decisions, that's how you're choosing to connect with people, connect with your It's really something that it should be a top priority to sort out because it's running your life. Um, And most of the time you don't know unless something big enough comes into your presence that makes you look right at it. Um, Hmm. Whether that's, you know, a situation, a universe, a person, definitely a horse because are, you know, around a thousand pounds. So when they start to have behavior issues, people don't really overlook it. They look, you know, and I think that's why they're such a beautiful gift in that way, because there is not a lot of room for error when it comes there. Um, yeah. Especially when they realize you do know, and they're like, oh, here, I'm, 
I have shifted my coaching style to be more like them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what would that look like? How does that look like for you now? I think I was raised what I, when I was raised, it was a lot of, um, you need to take care of your mom. She was a single mom. She's working full time, going to school full time. So my thing that I've treasured up a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that I thought I had worked on. Mm. And by doing this process, every time I get triggered by something, I can now look at it and I go, Oh, that's interesting. No one can make you feel any way unless it's already within yourself. So no one can push a button unless that push that button is already within you to be pushed. So I can't get angry and frustrated um, at anything unless that's already something that I've got to deal with within. And so if something does come into my life that makes me feel frustration or whatever, I know, oh, there's there's something deeper I need to look at. And I can just stop there and go, when's the first time I felt like what identify it? Like, what is this? It's yeah. um, I usually talk about the four R's which is resentment, rejection, revenge, and um, I'd always get stuck on the fourth, fourth one. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> but it, usually of these four R's, you can, if you have any of those four R's, that's usually where you get blocked and you'll get stuck and that stuff will keep coming back up. So um, it's identifying it right in the moment and going, oh, I can own that right now. And then it starts to happen fast. So for me growing up, it was a lot of my level of comfort with people being uncomfortable was, mm. it was not good. For, mm. for me, it was like, if someone's uncomfortable, I'm responsible. Oh, and in yeah. my small child mind, that's what I had made it. I'm responsible for people's happiness, well-being, their comfort. So it made me, as a coach, you're, you know, you're trying to highlight, this is what we're here to sort out. I'm not a trainer that goes and rides the horse and makes it look pretty. I'm the trainer that gets on to find the holes, to fix the holes. It's never pretty when you do that. Yeah. And it was really hard for me. To, <laughs> it was really hard for me to do that with people because I had been really conditioned to think people need to be comfortable and you need to do whatever you need to do to make them that way. Yeah. But what I ultimately learned from watching my horses in particular that I know really well deal with people um, and how they reflect that is that they, they're just so honest mm. and they're so non-judgmental when they do it. Mm. And that's why people can accept it as feedback. So if I see something happening and it's blaring me in the face, I need to be brave enough to go out of my comfort zone and say, this is what I see. Does that feel true for you or not? And what are we going to do about it? Instead of going, yay, looks good. <laughs> you know, like, that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I, as you were saying that, I can really relate to that. And I have probably more recently become aware of my need to make everyone feel comfortable. And even like, I'll catch myself throughout the day, like checking in on the kids. Are you okay? Are you okay? And like, in my mind, I'm like, I've got to get, I've got to have everyone feeling good, but it doesn't doesn't serve anyone and especially not myself either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're operating from that, you only can give to others that which you have. So if you're feeling drained and tired and worn down and stretched, then everyone's going to feel that around you anyway. So mm. always starting with what am I bringing? And it was interesting because when I did talk to her about that, like, how do you, stop that behavior, you know, cause I can't have horses attacking people, mm. but they need time to process this stuff. How, you, you know, when she, when she had said about owning it, then it stops that need for it to be brought back to you because you've already, it's done its job. Jeez. So I always talk about it, like pushing in the clutch, you know, right before you go into the house or to the barn, any transition in your day, I always say, take that moment before you go to the next thing, take a couple of deep breaths and really name what you're bringing into the next situation. Like if you've had a really bad day and you've driven in traffic and it was terrible and you're grumpy and you know, you're getting home. If you just walk straight into the house, 
chances are anyone that says anything to you is going to amplify, make you more be given to them unfairly. Um, mm. So the benefit of being able to stop before you go in any of these places with that practice of, you know, what am I feeling right now? What am I bringing into the situation? And what do I want to bring? Just by naming it and knowing that it's yours, you're aware of it. And then when you walk into the house, it's the same thing. Your family doesn't get that reflected back to them, just like the horses won't. And then the universe will stop bringing you these gifts <laughs> so that you can learn. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool to hear you um, talk about this. I was listening to a podcast um, with Ku and Ray and Dr. Shafali, uh, who is a, I guess, a conscious parenting coach. Um to put it simply, <laughs> um, but she was talking about exactly that, like noticing the things that you get triggered by and just simply bringing awareness to it and almost like that you're not going to fix it right then and there, but the more you bring awareness to that behavior, uh, eventually it's just going to fade away and, and like you say, uh, the, the universe stopped bringing you that lesson. <laughs> yeah I think it's it's so significant for people with horses no matter what level you're at to do that because even if you aren't doing groundwork um, necessarily where there's specific stuff being brought in I think the moment you walk into the stall you know is where you start that experience off with them for that day and you, you, I mean even if you're going to walk down the trail or you're preparing for the Olympics. Like it doesn't matter because mm. what you're bringing is what you're bringing. So they're, um, it's going to affect the way that the horse goes around the way they carry themselves because the moment they switch over to that nervous system and they start releasing that cortisol and adrenaline, if they're shut down, they're not ever releasing it out of their body. It's just like us. So they're also stuffing their emotions causing them to shut down because they're not being heard and how that manifests is in that dis-ease. So they'll get chronic lameness, they'll get pain in their body, you know, and it's mm. because all of that stuff, once it's released to their body, it gets, it hardens the tissues. So it actually has that physical effect on the tissues as well. You know, and people are, my horse is stiff on the right. He doesn't move off my left leg, you know, and it's like, well, if a fly landed on your horse's side, I'm almost guaranteeing that it could reach around at that fly. It has nothing to do with their body. It has to do with the mindset they're in and the story they're, they're telling themselves the moment you step into the picture. How are they going to keep themselves safe? And their body is just reflecting that. And on a chronic level of them having to do it all the time, then you're going to get lameness. You're going to get sickness that comes up. You're going to get dis-ease from them living in that space all the time. So not only is it going to affect the way that they can carry themselves in a relaxed, true, balanced manner, the mental, um, the mental side of it for them is living in that state. Like nobody wants to be in a relationship with somebody who, when you see them coming, you cringe. Um, so there's just a million different reasons why sorting this part out, um, before you ride is beneficial in every way. And it's interesting because it's not really taught when you learn how to ride. No. People talk about it, but they never teach you about it. You know, it's so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is talked about like it's not a new concept, but I think perhaps there's a lack of understanding of what is actually going on at that deeper level and how to change it as well. Yeah, and I think there's so many coaches and there's so many processes that you can do, and it honestly, if it's too complicated it's probably um, not the one. The simple act of being aware of it, owning it, going, when's the first time I, I wasn't allowed to feel that way? And then holding space for your younger wounded self to feel that way and just watch it happen. You know, if yeah. you're going to get into like quantum physics and, you know, visualize watching it happen, then it happened. So if you see it happen, you know, if you visualize it, happen, it happened. And yeah. so it allows an actual release. Um, and it's such a quick process and it's so easy and it's, um, it's changing the way I parent because I can now see there's times when that stuff needs to be felt 
and mm. I can hear what I would normally say, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, that's you know, that's not that's how this that's how this starts. Yes, definitely. So, um, and it's very new for me. It's in the last three weeks, and. Mm-hmm. And since doing it, I will tell you there's stuff that I thought that I had dealt with that came up again, but now I can feel it's really gone. Mm. Um, and I would coach myself around it. Like I had enough tools to go, oh, I feel this way. Uh, I need to do this and this. This is what it's from. And but it was, didn't stop it from continuing to bubble up here and there until now when I'm like, oh, understanding that that's what needed to happen. That's what was supposed to happen back then and didn't. So now it can happen now and you can be completely released from it. Yes. So I'm thinking about this. This could be so beneficial. Um, I mean, at the time of this podcast, we have the coronavirus epidemic. Um, I know New Zealand, here in New Zealand, we went into a level four lockdown as of last night and I have been hearing on the news about how um, the police are getting ready for uh, I guess abuse uh, domestic violence cases and um, to be able to manage with that so and that's really scary and sad because I think that that is a manifestation of this stuff here not being taken care of. So how can we use some of these tools in the coming weeks and maybe even months so that we can be more aware of how we're showing up to our relationships with our children, with our partners, our our husbands or wives um, and our horses as well so that um, so that we can perhaps grow from this time rather than uh, fall apart yeah I think um, when you look at what's happening and you look at the actual statistics about stuff it's interesting how they're saying it's spreading so fast and how it's so dangerous. And I don't doubt that it's an actual issue. Uh, but the level at which it's being highlighted is putting a lot of fear into people and mm-hmm. or a lot of um, worry. So it's kicking people into that sympathetic nervous system where they're in overdrive. If not really stressed, they're still shifted into that space where they're hypervigilant. So they're watching the news. They're looking at, you know, headlines. They're trying to figure out what it's about. You know, so you are in that nervous system if you're being hypervigilant and that in itself is going to lower your immune system. And um, so I think being really cautious about what you consume um, mm-hmm. because it's going to change the way you do life. I will tell you, I know this because I actually experienced it last week um, where I live on, you know, enough acreage where the kid can run around. So it's not like we're in an apartment and we're stuck inside, but I was home. I didn't leave because the kids don't have school. So I was home from Monday until I left Friday. And I, um, I started to get a little stir crazy in my head. I had envisioned the outside world being shut down and having no people out there. And then I started to get like, what's going to happen. And, you know, and the things were progressing in my mind and I was getting a lot of anxiety. Like I was super stressed out. Yeah. And, um, and it was because I wasn't, I wasn't staying in the present moment. I was here. I was kicked out of my routine. I wasn't staying in a space where I was being conscious about the thoughts I was thinking or the things I was consuming. And by Friday, I was like a little bit crazy. Mm. I was like stressed out and, you know, and, and what I hadn't done because I was in that place is I hadn't checked in with uh, my little one. So he's six and I, in my head, from my adult place, was like, it's like summer, they're out of school, they're happy to be out of school, they're probably fine. You know, I um, I just didn't register to me to really dig deeper on how he felt about it. And I noticed that a couple times he got really upset about something that I thought, like, what, like, big crocodile tears? I'm like, no. That doesn't even make sense. Like, it's just the game. They were playing the game. They were playing life, the game, the board game, ironically. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and um, and I, imme- I immediately 
<laughs> immediately picked him up and said, okay, we've got to go home. And, you know, we live on the same property as my parents. So we we're just walking back down to the house and it was a full blown tantrum. And I was mm. like, crap, you know? So I just like, okay, we're going to go. I gave him the warnings, picked him up, brought him back down and he's still crying. And then I remembered, okay, what I need to be in that space of this is his emotion. He's trying to feel, I'm not going to block it. Like, what, what is it? And he was, I don't like you. And all these things. And I was like, this is crazy. And when I told him, knowing from that conscious level, that's how this stuff starts. And I said, no matter what you feel, it's okay to feel, you can feel angry, you can feel frustrated, you can feel sad, you can... but just what is it like? And he's sick. So to identify that emotion is really big for them. Yeah. But, um, so we sat there for a minute. Finally, he had said, I'm, I'm scared. I'm not going to see my friends again. And I was like, well, you know, in my head, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Of course you're going to see your friends, but mm. he's six. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going on. There's so yes. much uncertainty. So in this practice of this consciousness about these emotions and how we knowing how the stuff gets stuck now and how all we have to do is be allowed to feel it in a non-judgmental place, um, it does allow you to stay more aware and slow down. So when people are getting upset around you, maybe it's not the thing that's happening it's just what's triggering that stuff to be brought up mm. so you can have a lot more empathy and a lot more grace for people in this when you're understanding of that and um and so we sat there and, and then even stuff started to come up for him where i'm scared the power is going to go out and i was like what yeah <laughs> like, why the power and he's like well the power went out a while ago and i was scared but i was like it's no big deal we have candles like it's not a thing but for him, he was trying to experience fear yeah. and I was shutting it down. Like it's not that big of a deal. So in that space, I had already done that in that, you know, so it's interesting mm. now that I'm seeing it. And, and so he came up with that and I was like, it's okay to be afraid, you know, on certain stuff, it's, it's scary and that's okay. And so instead of judge, it wasn't even like conscious judging, but it would still at some level say, no, no, it's fine. You're yeah. not scared. You shouldn't be scared because mm. right. And like, yeah. then I'm like, oh. I've been doing all these <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what is a good way to deal so, with that instead? I really think the awareness piece is everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and just holding space for yourself first to go, why do I feel so upset right now and stressed out? You know, because everything is so uncertain. And, and even just saying to yourself, it's uh, remembering it's okay. Everything is happening just as it's supposed to. There's nothing we can do about the fact that uh, it's uncertain. This yeah. is just a big giant uncertain thing that is affecting the entire world at once. Mm. Um, and you can look at it like that, or you can look at it as, well, now every single person on this planet has something in common and it's bringing us together and it's bringing us to a higher level of consciousness about what we are doing as a practice and what our things are important. Spending more time with family, slowing down, not going out of the house, you know, um, even the impacts on the environment, you know? And so I think when you're in this space, the emotions are going to be heightened and they're going to be brought out even more. Yeah. So it's actually an optimal time to do the work. Yeah. Um, but I think the awareness piece and just knowing I feel this way and it's not wrong that I feel this way. Mm. And then, yeah. Allowing that grace for yourself will allow you to have grace for everyone else around you feeling that way because it's probably coming just from a little bit of fear and uncertainty. And instead of you being defensive or going back at it and getting into these little quarrels and, you know, whatever, you can go, oh, I understand where this is coming from. And you can then kind of, um, it quiets you down, makes you more peaceful, and then it doesn't like the <laughs> fire of back and forth of crazy the crazy making yes and and knowing that there's nothing to fix I guess like everything yeah. everything is as it should be mm -hmm. I had said that in one of my calls it was like it's like nobody walks outside and goes who put the sun there yeah the sun should not be there like <laughs> move that like that you know like and gets upset about it like we just that's not a thing like so people do that all the time with this it's like no it is just as it's supposed to be everything that's happened to us is as it's supposed to be we have no idea what the future holds there's nothing we can do about that there's no sense in trying to control it because that's just going to drain more energy out of you and just reminding yourself where am i right here and right now what's actually happening right here and right now what's happening is i'm in a warm house and i'm having a conversation and 
there's a lot of stuff going around outside right now, but I don't have to think about that. You know what I mean? It's like, I can just release that and, um, and get present and find that calm in those, especially in this time when it's a little bit crazy. Um, when you feel yourself going to that place, that practice of like, but what's happening right here and right now, mm. it's like, I'm sitting on a stool. I'm wearing a red shirt. I'm, you know, I'm drinking my water. And it's like, and it just gives yourself a break to break that cycle where you spin and kind of get really worked up. It kind of puts a, a, a break in it and then you can really go, okay, what do I need to do right now? What do I actually have control over? What's actually true and happening? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So getting out of our heads and, and into the now. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is, is what our horses are really good at. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's constantly using them as an example of how we can be non judgmental, we can be in the moment, we can hold our boundaries really strong and not feel bad about it and be respected for it. You know, it's like watching them in the pasture is just like, oh, yeah, like. If we all just live like that, things would be worked out a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love watching the horses in the paddock and and I really love it when we have uh, new horses come in, that especially mm-hmm. horses that may have brought with them anxiety or anger or, mm-hmm. you know, these other things that they've had piled onto them. It's such an interesting process to watch them just out in the paddock with the with the other horses that live here and how they kind of go through this process of letting go of that stuff and then by the time they go home they're a completely different horse and that isn't that's that's without me (laughs) yeah my my three are so good at I can put any new horse out with them and they're so well balanced and I know that they each have their own space and their own personality and what they kind of bring and really the three of them sort stuff out for me and I would sit and watch how they interact with that horse and go okay this is how I need to do this because they're really the teachers they're the ones that actually know so Mm -hmm. it would be ridiculous of me to not take advantage of the fact that I have this being shown to me in real time this is how I need to approach this horse. This is how I need to do this. Like the, the, especially my older, my older one who I've had for the last 10 years, um, he's really solid in that way. And I've done that with a lot of horses that were really aggressive or, um, you know, or, um, just really pushy or, um, what that I didn't know how to deal with. If I would have gotten around and I would have had to make myself very big, I would have had to be very, you know, aggressive or, and that's how I would have dealt with it back then. And um, now being able to watch him and go, okay, oh, what I need to do is the boundaries are there, but he's never emotional about it. Mm. You know, he's so strong. He's like, I'm definitely not moving for you, <laughs> but I'm not going to start anything with you. And I'm not going to hold on to it after I'm done moving you. But like, you're definitely not going to move me. You know what I mean? And so it's this very well-balanced emotional like process where I'm like, okay, you know, but to know how to get there, that, that he's been teaching me that for 10 years. And I feel like I'm just starting to really figure it out even in the last month. Yeah, cool. You so know, how do you, really, yeah. how do you get a horse to want to move with you that has that sort of mindset? I think it's really by spending the time with them to just sit and be with them yeah the moment i feel like they they get that way because they've not been listened to for a very long time and have moved into survival and so spending the time and even being with them and um letting them know that you can recognize their emotion and mm. not react to it and re- respond to it yes. just letting them feel it it's the same with the people, it goes away kind of on its own. You know, it's, um, I do some body work stuff that I don't really know what it is, but it does tap into those spots of stiffness. And when, once I get in there and I feel it, I can just sit with it and breathe. Yeah. And they bite, they kick sometimes and you just sit with it. And it's that I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to let it be okay that it comes out. It's the same process. I just realized probably right the second that I'm now taking the people through. I've been doing it with the horses, but now I know how to do it with the people. Um, 
and at the end of it, it's like they're cleared out. And they go, all of that was just everything I wanted to say over the last five years that I got in trouble for or people got afraid of or whatever. And now on the other side of it, I can just release it and it's gone. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's kind of funny. I was working with a... Um a client and we were doing that sort of work with her horse and he wanted to bite her and like lift his back legs up and he was kind of like pig rooting and bringing out all these behaviors and now this is a horse that um for years has been considered a um like a good horse for nervous riders and um, hacking out and all of this sort of stuff until one day he decided he was not going anywhere and he, bu- he <laughs> got this bucking problem. And um, so we were working together and it was really cool because she uh, she works with people releasing trauma. and But with her horse, when he would display these behaviors and emotions, she would get really anxious and take them on board and kind of want to run away from that situation. <laughs> and so we kind of had a little bit of a giggle about it because we said, well, like, how would you deal with that if you were working with a person? And she's like, I wouldn't run out of the room and be like, bye, that's your stuff to deal with. <laughs> and she said yeah I would sit with them and let them have those emotions and work through it so once we kind of shifted that mindset she could easily sit with her horse and let him express his emotions as well yeah I think it's just huge um because they do connect the same way we do and when they start to mirror it, I believe is, you know, when we're kind of not paying attention to it and then it's like, Oh, this is interesting. And it's just such a, uh, it's just such a beautiful gift to be able to have this, you know, partner in this process. And when I was talking to Cindy and she was very much like, I believe for sure that they pick us when they come, you know, they pick us specifically like you're assigned to her and him. (laughs) And here's the lessons and go. <laughs> wow, that is really um, cool. And I do think that's the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I think we might begin to wrap things up, Amber. I, there's so many more things that we could go into, but <laughs> I would love to catch up with you again, um, especially once you've worked with these men. And I'm so interested to hear what you observe and discover through that process. Um, but maybe we can do some quick fire questions before we before we finish up. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So uh, the 20%, you've probably heard of the 80-20 rule and um, mostly getting what like the 80% of things that we can get rid of. What are the 20% things that you focus on that you find make the biggest difference? I think um, 100% it's the awareness piece because I think a lot of people – go through not even knowing how they feel about stuff. Mm. So becoming aware um, and non-judgmental um, is huge. And I think because once you can do that for yourself, you can do that for everything in every situation. And it just seems so simple and cliche, but it's the awareness. You know, it's if I can just become aware of what's mine, what I'm bringing, and understand that people are also bringing their own stuff and it has nothing to do with me, then what the gift is really freedom for you. You just have this freedom of, I can do whatever I need to do. I can be whoever I need to be. I'm not judging myself. So I'm not worried about other people judging me. And that really unlocks endless amounts of potential for, you know, with your courses and with anything creative you're doing. Um, and it all starts with like the awareness piece. I think that that's my like main thing forever and always now. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm with you on that. Um, how about your favorite book? Oh my gosh, this is really hard. (laughs) My favorite book right now, I'll do that. Okay. Um, My favorite book right now would be I Am Enough by uh, Panache Desai. Okay. And what it really speaks to is this whole process um, of 
keeping it super simple and releasing the judgment that's been placed on you. And I've really listened, I listened to that book probably five times now. Mm. And every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and it can be applied straight over to the horses because it's nothing different. It's just another energetic being that you're having a relationship with. So, yeah. um, definitely that one. Awesome. <laughs> yeah I'll have to check that out that sounds awesome um your most useful product you have bought in the last year under a hundred dollars useful product um does it have to be horse related <laughs> Horses in life, it's all the same. <laughs> um, I really think it, it, this isn't deep and exciting, but it's the detangler and shine from Equifuse because the horses' manes and tails from the winter have been something else. <laughs> um, and also, actually, interestingly enough, um, this is a very long story, but I can make it very short. For anybody out there that doesn't know the effects of Panicure Warmer and um, some studies that have been shown around cancer and the, its ability to actually cure, um, I have a dog who had a lot of tumors and stuff and recently one had an abscess and we went back and forth between removing them for the last two years mm -hmm. and I had a, a guest on my podcast who actually cured herself of stage four cancer just using panicure warmer and it's the active ingredient in it um and so I, wow. I was like interestingly enough I talked to her and one other person and then this stuff happened with my dog so I was <laughs> like I'm gonna go ahead and put her on it um and she's been on it and actually has reduced the size of all of the other tumors through wow. the process in a very short amount of time that so, is amazing I don't know who needs to hear that yeah <laughs> something that I think they don't talk about because it's so cheap and there is no side effects really for humans. Hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, she, she, it was a very interesting call and there's a specific doctor that does the dosage and stuff, but she takes cattle and horse dewormer and, um, was wow. the only thing she did, no chemo, nothing else. And, um, within under a year, I think it was six months, all of the cancer was gone and she would have been given five years to live. So, that's um, amazing. So that's really cheap too. <laughs> huh. What is, I, I'd have to, um, like, is that accessible worldwide or is that just an American product or? Yeah. Um, no, it's the, act I know that the active ingredient is in a couple different name brands, Panicure and Safeguard have it. Uh, I'd have to look, I think it's Oxybenzol or something like that. Um, hmm. But I started researching it and, you know, basically it's, they haven't tested it on humans, but also can you imagine if there was a cure for cancer that costs like $5 a day? Like, yeah, there's not a lot. They wouldn't happen. You know, they're not really going to highlight that. No, no, not at all. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is really, really yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, where can people find you online um, if they want to jump on your course, uh, listen to your podcast? Where can they where can they connect with you and consume more uh, of your amazing content? Um, I'm on all the you know social media platforms, so it's Confidence and Connection Coaching with Amber, um, and the website is. Um, amberlightedcoaching.com uh, and everything's in the process of being updated and branded and put together in a more smooth fashion with all this extra time on our hands yeah uh, but the I believe the podcasts are and I'm going to do videos on my YouTube channel so um, that will all start in April but I will have all of that listed on like the social media and stuff so right. um, when that's all going to be coming out it'll all be there so if you're in Facebook or Instagram, then you will be in the know. <laughs> Perfect. So our podcast is called Working From the Inside Out. So what does that mean to you? I believe it's really having the idea and the solid knowing that we are never done. Um, 
we're never finished going deeper at the levels that we we can work from. Um, I think even speaking with some of the guests that I've had, it's always about you always think you know so much and you know and other people look to you like you know so much, but it's it's this process that every human being on the planet is going through constantly and it's never ending and you're never done and it's never finished and mm. that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So just having that constant growth, like I always want to learn, I always want to absorb new information and figure out how I can mesh it into what I'm already doing. And um, so I think that's what it really is, is just embodying that, that, that never ending thing that we're doing on this planet right now in this life is, you know, we're, from the inside and letting our outside world manifest, you know, just off of what we've done for ourselves and, and who we are. Mm, I love it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Amber. And um, I just want to acknowledge you and all the work that you are doing. Uh, I think when I first sort of like saw you, uh, you, I think we were chatting on a professional like, trainers group and you said uh, you commented about to- Tony Robbins and uh, bringing that work into the horse world. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I love you already. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that is something that is so uh, needed in our world. So thank you so much for mm-hmm. for being there and doing that and also for sharing your time with us today. I can't wait for everyone to listen to this podcast. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Finesse Equestrian. For free videos and articles, head on over to finesseequestrian.com. You can also find me on Facebook or YouTube under Finesse Equestrian Training or on Instagram under Allie A. O'Brien. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you are the first to listen in, to screenshot and share on social media, and rate and leave us a review so you can do your part in helping us to reach more horses and people.